Here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome to the Dungeon Mastermind podcast. Um, I am Jake Packham, and this is my podcast. And with me is my friend, Ruben Wilcox. Wilcox. Uh, great A, high quality dude. New father. True. True. Very, very new. Um, congrats to the the happy young man at home, um, Mr. Wild. Yep, he's doing good. He's yeah. doing real good. You love to hear it, man. Babies are great. Um, Ruben, tell us a little of your background outside of D and D, and then we'll dive into that. Outside of D and D, um, <clears throat> whew, that's a big question. Uh, yeah, grew up here, grew up in Utah. Um, always kind of a nerd at heart. I love pretty much everything nerd, Star Wars, fantasy, books, reading, but I also like to do outdoorsy stuff. Uh, I love camping. I love getting outside. We love, grew up boating, grew up wakeboarding. Um, had a stint with motorcycles and four wheelers for a little while. We were going crazy. That's know, a little bit of everything Ruben for that. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how'd you get into Dungeons and Dragons specifically? Yeah, so my first exposure to Dungeons and Dragons was uh, as a was actually before Fifth Edition came out. I was probably like ten, and I found a book that was describing some of like I don't know which which like fan which realm it was. I'm guessing it was probably. Oh, I don't know. But I remember reading through this book and seeing like all this possibility, but the game was so abstract that as a kid, I couldn't get it. I didn't understand what was going on. I really wanted to play this game, but I just, it wasn't like a player's handbook. It was literally just like a, just a collection of information about this world. Yeah. Just a compendium to probably like, I don't even know, three, five, maybe almanac of Faerun. Yeah. Literally something (laughs) like that. And it was going through, it had pictures of like these elves and these like sea people. I don't even, I don't like, so it was cool because it was, I'd go through and read about these realms and like, I had a vague idea of what the game was, but didn't have a DM. Nobody was playing it. Didn't have a player's guide. Like, yeah, it was just kind of out there. And my mom growing up was a little bit, against playing D and D like all she Christian had, moms. Yeah. Like all Christian moms. <laughs> so she kind of had a little bit of that streak where as I brought it up, she was kind of like, Oh yeah, we're not going to do that. And I didn't really get it until yeah. I got older. But so that was how it started. Um, and then uh, fifth edition came out and I jumped on board pretty quickly. Um, I started a buddy of mine had played a different game called rifts. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is sick. We should try this. And so he's like, let's play 5e. Like, this just came out. And so I didn't know that there was like this big thing going on with 5e. I just went and I was like, oh, player's handbook. Let's buy that. And then went back to the game store later and they had the DMG and the monster manual. And they had like slowly, as they were yeah. being released, and yeah. they were available in store. I was picking them up. So that was kind of how it started. I played with him once and then I've pretty much DM'd. Ever since then, we played the classic. Yeah, we played like maybe two sessions. We went into the forest. We really didn't do anything. Worship the up devil, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, yep. Shout out, moms, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and the devil himself. So yeah, and yeah, pretty much since then, Forever DM. I've played in a couple games, but it's been 
pretty much exclusively DMing since yeah. then. And I love it. I think that's so interesting that like the if you want to play more than most people around you, you got a DM. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like so I'm on I'm in this little Facebook group. Um, and there's this guy who is constantly hopping in there saying, I have this game idea. I don't want to DM it. I just want to play who will run a game for me where I am Captain America. (laughs) That's, that's the entirety of his, like, I have my great idea, you know, like someone give me a game where I am Captain America. Dude. So moral of the story, if you want to play more, you got a DM. Yeah. Because you can find players, but you can hardly ever find a DM. Um and that's tale as old as time. Yeah. Yeah. And with that too, I would say don't be intimidated with DMing. Just pick it up. The best thing you can do is just start a game, start playing, and It'll you'll figure it out as you go. It doesn't yeah. matter. And I thing. think I think people spend too much time, especially at the beginning. Maybe this was just me, but most of the people I've talked to spend too much time at the beginning planning and trying to be ready to DM. And to an extent, you need some of that, especially at the beginning. But just like start playing. The more you play, the more exposure you get. You're gonna get better at it exponentially compared to sitting at your desk researching how to DM. Like yeah. just go out and do it and try stuff and it'll it'll be fine. It's just a game. Which is an interesting segue because our topic today is intelligence. Dun, and dun, you dun. said don't research. Just do. Just do. And we're gonna talk about why you need to research. <laughs> <laughs> um intelligence modifier specifically, right? Like I want to, to use kind of what you were talking about and, and piggyback off that because I had a, a similar experience where I played a singular game um, of D and D and then DM'd my first session for my second ever time playing D and D. And at this point I had hundreds of hours of, watching particularly critical role under my belt. Um, and so my only influence was Matthew Mercer cool. and only reading the player's handbook. Like I read it cover to cover twice and then the DMG once. And I was like, I am D and D like I am ready for this. <laughs> um, and started and hate, and I was awful, uh, truly awful, like just planned out way too much and executed none of it. And that is how just it to goes. clarify, this is the game I was a part of, right? Yeah. No, no. Oh, okay. No, no. Was that, like, was, hold that on was a minute. Game, that was so good. That was game four. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Um, that one was fun. Um, shout out you for coming over. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, that does not yeah. sound like the game that I played and I just have to make sure that wasn't the no, same No, no, no. I've at least played three games prior to that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I think it. I, I love reading. I love, like, knowing new things. Um, I got this book. Where is it? That big fatty up there. Um, it's just a book of interesting things. Like just random Ooh. facts. Um, I love that. Like my wife got that for me. Shout out wife um, for the, the book. Um, and 
it is so fun. Like I love to be able to just spit facts. Um, and I love the intelligence modifier um, in fifth edition because it is exactly that, right? Characters yeah. who have the intelligence defined in the player's handbook as the ability to recall um, and obtain knowledge. Like, dude, I love that. Yeah. Um, so specifically within the player's handbook, um, that's exactly what it says is it is the ability to obtain and recall knowledge. Just a one sentence on that definition. Um, but so when I looked up, like, what else would intelligence be? Um, Webster's Dictionary defines intelligence as uh, mental acuity, recall and memory, reason, logic, acquisition of knowledge, complexity, and decision making. Um, what are your thoughts on that? This is kind of a can of worms for me. I'm not going to lie. Uh a little bit more of my background. I'm a psych major, um, and I took uh, a couple courses from a professor whose main focus in his doctoral program and his writing and everything is intelligence. He's mm. like an active part of the intelligence research community. So what you're saying is I have the wrong guess. <laughs> well, I, need, yeah. I, need to get, I need to get in touch with this guy. Yeah, for okay. sure. He's Wonderful. definitely way well, more qualified to speak on. of that. We're going to end it here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's a pretty good analysis of intelligence in general, I would say, and especially in terms of the game, it yeah. doesn't have to get quite that noodly. But sure. but yeah, you talk about like your ability to function in your own in the world we live in, the world you live in, your ability to function in that world, and how quickly you can adapt to changes and development. I'd say that all kind of falls into intelligence. Yeah, because um, the intelligence modifier, um, there is some unique attributes to it. Obviously, it relates to a couple different skills in the game, right? Um, like investigation, arcana, history, uh, right. and religion, yeah. right? Um, so and nature. Um, so those five are tied to your intelligence modifier. Um, so the more intelligent you are, the better you should be at those roles. Right. Um, but there's also a point where like, if you have an intelligence of seven, according to player's handbook, you can't read. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you have, you, you are illiterate, you know, like yeah. you can be so dumb in your game that like it causes you to be unable to read. Yeah, which is interesting, too, because if you in character creation, if you take the it's the what is it? The like point array, mm -hmm. the lowest you can choose is eight. Mm -hmm. Right. That they right. like they pigeonhole you into you can speak languages. Right. Yeah. Um, which is like and so like when you're rolling your stats for your character, um, rolling anything under an eight, like you're going to have a rough time with anything relating to that specific ability yeah. um which is interesting as well because like when in the the dungeon master guide when like when it talks about like building an npc like a non-player character the average person is an eight across the board on yeah. everything and so you as a hero are already starting well above on average yeah. from the normal person um so if we are all eights woof 
<laughs> right? Like that's that's not spectacular. Um, that means a minus one to everything. Yeah. Um. So the game itself uses the intelligence, obviously, to determine whether or not you can speak. <laughs> or um, you actually brought up something super interesting earlier before we started, um, where your intelligence can affect even your alignment, right? Yeah, as to agree. Yeah, as far as the monsters go. So um, basically, if you break down the monster manual, the core monsters, and you look at their intelligence modifier, their intelligence score, mm -hmm. and compare that to their alignment, good creatures don't show up till like around seven or eight. I can't remember where exactly, but it's it's on that like upper middle tier. Everything below that is either true neutral or evil. Yeah. And so it's kind of this weird thing where the concepts of good and evil don't really exist until you have a high enough intelligence. And then as you go beyond that, that's when you can understand the concepts of intelligence, of good and evil, of morality. Um, you have the cognitive ability to make sense of that, basically. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. So I kind of reverse engineered this from a very positive place of like, what are some of the, the most common insults? <laughs> that, that like people provide each other um, lovingly, of course. Um, and what I like, you know, calling somebody an idiot, calling somebody a moron or stupid or dumb, yeah. right? Like, I think there is genuinely a difference between someone who is a moron and someone who's an idiot. Yes. Um, an idiot would be at least in mine and feel free to, you know, argue this point. Um, an idiot is someone who has a low intelligence. Yeah. And a moron is someone who just makes bad decisions, <laughs> right? Like you should know better. You are smarter than this, but you are making poor choices. Yeah. Um, so your wisdom is suffering. Right. Your wisdom is case, suffering. Right. You are choosing a, a poor path. Right. Um, which is probably like could attest to, you know, a, a good person should have better wisdom or a truly evil person would have that intelligence enough to say, yeah. I want to make this choice, Yeah, you know, um, and become a more lawful yes. evil uh, yeah. instead of a, a chaotic evil. Yeah. Um, which that would be an interesting thing to go look. I, I didn't look at it from that yeah. perspective of where lawful and chaotic, like start to yeah. gap. I'd be interested to go back and look and see where that like, gapage happens yeah. if it if it does correlate with intelligence as yeah. well hmm. if so prop mad props to wizards for like putting that much thought into this. honestly <laughs> wouldn't be surprised like wizards of the coast like there's some things that are just like wow yeah this was like very cool. well designed um except for their uh, whole pinkerton thing um <laughs> y'all should look into that that's a little bit uh Put on the tin hats. I haven't heard of this. Oh my gosh! We'll, we'll we chat about this. this. <laughs> um, yeah, they're Pinkerton police. It's uh, wild. Um, anywho, uh, not affiliated with Wizards of the Coast. Don't arrest <laughs> me in my house. Um, <laughs> uh, intelligence. Um, oh, I was going to say too. Please. Speaking of insults, it's interesting too that uh, spells that use insults specifically tasha's hideous laughter doesn't yeah. affect creatures with a low enough intelligence absolutely score, yes which is super interesting they're like yes. they can't and part of that goes back to comprehending languages right uh -huh. they can't comprehend a language and so they they're not going to be able to understand insults yes but it's interesting that it, it's based on that what is the spell 
that makes somebody's intelligence zero. You know what I'm talking about? Is yeah, mind do. blank? That sounds right. Excuse us while we research. Um, nope, that is the exact opposite. Uh, it cr- a creature is immune to psychic damage. Um, anywho, there is a spell. I know it. Um, that effectively, like when someone fails against it, they become zero intelligence. They cannot speak even, Whoa. let alone read. Um, and uh, yeah, that's freaking brutal. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Gnarly spell. Um, Rude. And, and like, it has to be, like, a, a greater restoration situation to, like... Oh, so it's not even it. temporary. So it's not even... Yeah. It's, like, it can be permanent. Whoa. Yeah. Filthy. Um, I think intelligence is a very interesting um, modifier for how it could be used uh, from a role play standpoint. Um, I think an intelligent character um, from a a DM's perspective, awarding somebody for um, putting weight into their intelligence modifier that isn't like a wizard or an artificer who relies on their spellcasting modifier to be intelligence. Um, Like when a fighter chooses intelligence yeah and like really uses that as one of their main stats giving some award to that to say like you would have some more insight into battle strategy um and the reverse of that like what's your intelligence modifier awesome metagaming not happening you don't know yeah right yeah you you are truly a dumb barbarian you wouldn't be able to strategize like this yeah um to make it not punishing but immersive right like yeah. to to truly like come into grips with your character and play the character properly um i think could be a, a plug for dms to like really emphasize the intelligence modifier for combat specific yeah. strategy yeah well that's that's an interesting a super interesting point it's one of the things that if you look at the stats, the way that they break down, there are some stats that who you are as a player have zero impact on what those stats mean and how they're represented. Yeah. So strength, dexterity, constitution. But then you get into wisdom, intelligence, and charisma, and that line gets really blurry. Yeah. And so some of that is up to players to say, all right, how do you – like it's up to you to represent this, which I think intelligence is maybe – I take it back. I think charisma is the most influenced by this because of being able to persuade your DM into just the dumbest ideas and making it slide is a legitimate skill that affects how you play. But intelligence follows pretty quickly behind that, that as the things that your character would be using their intelligence to solve, you as a player are also using your intelligence to mm-hmm. solve. And it kind of creates this blurry line yeah. between your ability and your character's ability. And I, I low-key love the idea of a character coming in that has a seven intelligence and the damn saying, okay, you can't speak English. Right. This or whole, you only like, speak common. Yeah. Like, no chance. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's all you got. So I, th- yeah. I think that's super interesting. Yeah. And 
I thought Critical Role did a pretty good job with like Grog in their Vox Machina because he had a seven intelligence, and so he couldn't read. Right. And part of the his like character development is one of the other players was teaching him how to, how to read. read. Yeah, teaching him the alphabet. Yeah, <laughs> that clip is so good. Yeah, so like eventually he gets, I think, to an intelligence of eight, which is like. You're still super dumb, but you can read, man. You know, like, so it, it, it can, you know, a low intelligence dump stat can be an interesting and, and engaging way of playing. Yeah. Um, but I think could be used in a more beneficial way. Um, an idea I just had is selfishly as a DM, you never get to talk about everything that you wanted to talk about. You always have more machinations at work and more lore and backstory that you never get to use. Yeah. Um, and why not outside of the game before or after a session, tell your higher intelligence player, like give them extra lore. Yeah. Give them extra history yeah. that they can reference that other players wouldn't know because their intelligence is lower, right? Yeah. Like a studied wizard would probably know about the more about the history of the world than the fighter, yeah. right? Than the warlock, yeah. right? Someone who has a higher stat, like why not give them a little bit extra, you know? Because one, yeah. you get to actually use more of your world, and then you can let them use that information a little bit differently at the table to bring up something that they assume everyone knows. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. Because you brought this up a little bit earlier, but uh, I had a player that wanted to create a sort of samurai warlord archetype character, yeah. and the ba they wanted to make the basis of this character's abilities intelligence. So they were. Initially, they were moving towards fighter. I ended up pushing them into artificer because mm -hmm. I was like, this is built. This is much more designed for what you're trying to do. But the idea of having a, a, a fighting class whose intelligence is what gives them that edge mm -hmm. in their fighting. Absolutely. And, I mean, learning sword forms and that, that training process should somewhat be linked to your intelligence. If it, if In terms of recall of knowledge, whether that's a physical muscular knowledge or – a game of chess, the game of chess that equates to a sword fight. Yeah. Um, and so it was almost disheartening a little bit for him to be like, I want to build this fighter who's a samurai. And I had to be like, we're going to flavor Like we're going to stick with this flavor, but sure. mechanically we got to go with this other class because it fits what you're looking for better. Yeah. Right. Which is a, a kudos to you on that. Cause like, obviously there is a samurai subclass yes. right, of fighter. And, yeah. and like when you see that, you're like, I am Tom Cruise last samurai. Yes. Right. And, and that's what, what is in their head. Yep. But you say, trust the process, brother. I'm going to take your hand and you're going to love it. Yeah. Right. And, and I guarantee that that was a much better situation because truth be told, the samurai subclass sucks. Not great. Yeah. Not it doesn't fit the samurai vibe very well. No, you get what an additional, uh, calligraphers tools yeah. proficiencies like okay yeah <laughs> I'm never really love that, that. Yeah. yeah and it was cool too because one of his characters like traits is that he's spouting off these like Japanese proverbs and stuff sure. all the time and that's like very much an intelligence based thing Absolutely. that like he has this recall of knowledge this memorized literature mm. that's part of his character's ability so yeah. it ended up working out well but that's awesome I really like that um 
for the skills associated with intelligence, right? Uh, being history, arcana, investigation, nature, and religion. Um, history, I think, is is more for, again, the DM to spill the beans, right? Yeah. Really, when you're when you're asking for a history check, you're like, I want to tell you guys so bad, yeah. but I gotta make it look like you earned it. <laughs> it's so painful. <laughs> and that's that's like one of my my biggest pet peeves with like some of these professional DMs on like critical role and stuff is like, you know that the DC is like one, <laughs> but like you just want to tell the people like, this is the lore, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's really just to stroke your DMs ego a little bit for a little history. Bit, for sure. Yeah. Like what other reason is there? <laughs> yeah, for real. And that's where like, as a DM, it's a good way to present players problems that can only be solved with history. And then, I mean, you from the DM perspective, talking about multiple fail states that instead of giving, if they don't roll high enough, they don't get all of the information. Right. And so that's like painful as a DM because yeah. you want to share all your lore. Yeah. Like, but this is my story, pal. Yeah. Like, so one of my favorite ways I've done this is I've done uh, in uh, Curse of Strad, you play through the death house at the beginning, and there's kind of this basic subplot that's going on. and Using intelligence, I've used history or, or, I mean, usually I think I use history, maybe investigation, that there's a major plot twist. And if they don't rule high enough, they don't catch on to the plot twist. Oh, nice. So, like, specifically, there's a painting that as they're like, well, I want to read into this painting. I want to see what's going on. And so, and I had a player who was very invested in this plot. And mm -hmm. so, they didn't rule high enough to catch the plot twist. Brutal. And so... It came up later. They still sure. discovered what it was, but there was a chance that I would have been like, okay, yeah, like here's all this history. Here's all this information. And then also this major plot twist that you caught because you're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you remembered the clues you've been seeing to then yeah. put all the pieces together and figure this out. Interesting. <clears throat> um, yeah. Cause like I'm, I'm trying to think of like, how do you incorporate a history check in a more, satisfactory manner for the players. Um, Cause I, honestly, at the end of the day, like as a player, like you want some of the background, right? yeah. like you want to know the lore of the world. You want to know more about the pantheons and all that hoot nanny. Right. Um, but it's really like the DM wants to see yeah. the beans. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think that's fine. Um, I think, cause I'm, I'm trying to like, Oh, how do you revitalize the, the history check? But I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, like it probably honestly is good because the only other thing I can think of is just like a punishing mechanic where you say like, oh, you don't remember what happened last session? Roll a history check and see if I remind you. <laughs> you know, but that, that's I'm not going to lie. I've done that before, yeah. but yeah. Or people are like, wait, what's this guy's name again? I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you've, you've met him before, yeah. but like if you don't remember, uh, you got to roll for it. Yeah. Um, take the other, better notes. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I've done too is uh, one of my favorites is cursed magic items. Yes. That have a place in history. That yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, based on a role, they'll remember that this is like this famous magic item. And if they don't roll high enough, they don't also catch that it was cursed. Yeah. And then obviously they're still going to figure it out sure. once they've attuned to yeah. it. Because, I mean, it, who doesn't attune to magic items? Honestly, you find a black set of boots. You got to put them on. Yeah. Got to attune. Arcana is pretty straightforward. I like to use Arcana as a 
um, a check for players, like for the player themselves slipping their mind or like, like if you're fighting an air or a water elemental and you go to cast tidal wave on it, I say, give me an arcana check so you don't waste your six level spell slot. Um, but if you don't roll high enough, then like, sorry, pal, like you didn't know better. Right. But like giving them an out on yeah. it a little bit to say, like, honestly, your character would know this, yeah. whether or not you do as a player, your character would probably put yeah. one and two together. Yeah. Which dips back into that blurry line. And that's where like remembering NPC names too. I'm yeah. like, I get that you don't, but your character for sure would. So yeah. I just got to tell it, give it to you. But, yeah. um, but yeah, that's interesting. I like that with spells that you're like, your character would know based on this spell's mechanic. It's not going to have any effect on this creature. Right. Well, especially because like people are, are learning the game constantly, right? There's always more to learn and understand about it. Um, and as the DM, like when you are building an encounter uh, for somebody, like it, it's a series of different combatants against each other. Yeah. The player is focused on their stuff. And anything outside of that, anything in the periphery, is not as well understood. Yeah. Um, and it's the DM's job to have all that ancillary knowledge, right? To know what all these different things are. And so, like, as a person, you want to maximize your character's efficacy in battle, right? Making your, your warlock spells really pack a punch is, like, your entire job. Right. Um, and so a little forgiveness and a little leeway for not being as invested in the game as, or this combat um, is definitely something that should be practiced. Um, investigation. Investigation versus perception. Um, I love this topic. topic. Yeah, hot this is topic. a good one. It's such a blurry line. Yeah. It's funny because coming into this when we talked earlier – I was feeling really strong and then we talked and now I'm back to like, it's so blurry. I don't know how to draw this line. I really want to draw this clear line between the two, but yeah. it's, it's rough. It's it not is. that clear. Yeah. Um, Cause I like, you're going to have people who want to, who have proficiency in perception and who don't have proficiency in investigation. Those guys <laughs> always want to proceed naturally. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, like that's real life. Right. If I am proficient at something, I'm going to do that thing. I'm not going to do what I'm not proficient at. If I'm good at golf, and but I'm terrible at basketball, and my friend's like, hey, do you want to play basketball or do you want to golf? What am I going to suggest every single time? Yeah. Right. Um, so, like, I understand why people are wanting to ask for one thing when you in, in might in your mind say, like, this would be investigation. Um, but let, let's hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it kind of came back to perception and maybe it's the psychology background, but perception is the cognitive load, the processing of the visual information, the the actual like tangible data that your brain is receiving. Your perception is how your brain is interpreting that. It's super influenced by biases. It's influenced by your expectations. And so that's kind of where I think I first started handling this, this balance between the two and that it's instant. It's quick. It is very, um, uh, almost involuntary mm -hmm. is kind of my, it was, I think where I was sure. going with it. Yeah. 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 And so I realized that as a DM, I've gone down, I think too far into using perception as the 
immediate response when people ask to look for things when they're um, like looking for traps or they're uh, looking for someone who they suspect is hiding. They're looking for signs that someone has gone by. I mean, sometimes you use a survival check or a nature check to look for tracks and that type of thing, but it's a little bit of a different like background. But today, as I've been reading and thinking about intelligence, I realized that the investigation skill specifically encumbers a lot of the things I think I've been using perception for. So mm. specifically, walking to a room and looking for clues, for right? Sure. For sure. That's like word for word. That, that is, is not a perception. That's an investigation. Yeah. I think I've put it maybe more in like a go to the library and research is sure. where I thought investigation should yeah. be. So I've almost, I have maybe taken it too far now that I would say that looking for traps, if it's not uh, an immediate, like we're running through the hall and looking for traps, like I might let that slide as a perception or if the trap specifically says, which I think most of them do mm-hmm. use perception as their detection skill. But I would also, I, I, I think there's a really blurry line between using intelligence an investigation versus perception in that specific setting of looking for traps. Yeah. Which is such a core part of D and D that it's interesting that I, I have shifted to perception. I mean, it's the first D right. The dungeon aspect of it uh, (laughs) implies traps. traps. Yeah, exactly. Um, Interesting, man. So you, you mentioned with perception being like, you know, like from the psychology aspect of it, that we have these biases and things like that perception could be something used to really throw off some players. Yeah. That sounds like a freaking good time. Yeah. For someone who like, maybe they, their character is like racist, you know, or like the, the people that they come from have a bias against something um, and say like, you perceive that this is like someone you're opposed to, right. Whether or not that like the story involves them being an antagonist in any way, but that could be really fun, man. Yeah. Could be fun. I like, yeah. I love the idea of running into a, a picture and running through water deep, coming across a fight and having them, cause characters are always like, well, what's going on? Like, who's the bad guy, you know? And then using their character's bias to then determine what that is. And some of that you can let the players like have that, but if they're asking to make a role to try and determine like who the bad guy is in the fight, like, if they're rolling perception, it's it's up to their bias. Like, yeah. let that take control. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I just looked up traps in the basic rules. Um, and a character actively looking for a trap can attempt a wisdom perception check. Yeah, that's what I thought it says. Um, and then you might call for an intelligence investigation check for a character to deduce what needs to be done about oh, the trap. Oh, interesting. Um, which is... I've always done it like you investigate it, you know what to do. Right? Yeah. But kind of the one-two punch might be a good marriage yeah. resolution, right? Yeah. I think I've always assumed that because, like, I mean, rogues are our trap antidote, right? Yeah. And I think I've always just assumed that if they get the perception, then they can disarm the trap. Yeah. But if they don't know how the trap yeah. works. But that poses But maybe it's literally trap. like, okay, passive perception. Okay, you detected a trap. That's it. That's yeah. all you give them until yeah. they get an investigation right. role to determine what kind of trap and what the trigger if is, bomb, if they can fix it. Then you're like, you know that the trap is there. Yeah. 
Do you still open the door? Yeah. You don't. You you're going to disarm sure. disadvantage. You yeah. You you don't. Or you can't disarm it. You yeah, disarm that's... it. You roll a nat 20, but you did it the wrong way. Still triggers. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Whew. I, I like guess I'm that. I'm just a punishing DM, and I'm like, how do I kill everyone? Uh, but that sounds like a good time, actually. <laughs> to me, though, too, it's trying to figure out a way to make intelligence not as useless. Yes. No question. Right. And that's yeah. where. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't know. I'm a little bit thrown by the whole nature thing. Um, truth be told, um, nature as a skill, like an intelligence based skill, um, other than the recall yeah. and the memory, right? Knowing that you are lost or not, right? And how to get back. Yeah. Um, but to me, knowing like, what's poisonous, what's not, what yeah, you can eat, but like what this plant is going to do if I touch it. Not every wizard's going to know that. True. Right? True. Like, just because I am a 20 intelligence wizard, but I'm an abjuration school wizard, like, I can do all sorts of super dope combat spells, does not mean I know what mushrooms need to not be eaten. Yeah. Right? Does not mean that I can know what animal this is yeah i wonder if that comes from the the core assumption that wizards have some sort of formal education that they can't have taught themselves and that means that they've had a baseline exposure to everything in the general area right which then maybe you could justify if if you're i mean i don't know that's tough because then you get so you get into the Feywild, your characters never studied that before but they have a high enough intelligence right they're like they can deduce what this does yeah you know but like even the deduction, right? Like the complexity and the reason and logic, right? That is part of intelligence yeah. to be able to go from, well, critical thought dictates that A would lead to B. I'm seeing B, not seeing A. So I w- could assume that it would lead to C. Yeah. Right. So even though that it, you, you know, using your analogy of being in the Fey realm where nothing is correct, is normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> like because plant looks like this in the world, it looks like this in the Fey realm, would my deduction still hold the same? Right. Or yeah. would I know that my deduction should not hold yeah. the same? Um, that's some Yeah, like, true. Sh- Knowing that you can't trust yourself. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Because a ranger, right, like should not – like I think they naturally have a, a proficiency in nature checks. Right? Yeah. Most. Um, or would want to, um, even though their spellcasting modifier is wisdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting too, because they have like abilities where they can't be lost if they're in their favorite terrain. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, you'd think that that would be based off of intelligence, but apparently it's not. Apparently not. Survival though. Right. Survival is wisdom. Based. Right. Is wisdom. Um, and yeah, yeah, I guess depending on whether or not you're counting your nature check as your, like which part of nature we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. That could be. All we're learning is lines are blurry. Super blurry. (laughs) Super, super blurry. And that there's a lot of druids out there who uh, aren't going to be very good at that ability. (laughs) For sure. Absolutely. Hot dang. That's like the one, right? Yeah. Druids are wisdom. Not Not intelligence. But nature's like their core like skill, you'd think. Yeah. Like uh, their magic is of natural nature. Um, Which maybe presents an argument that you could transition them from wisdom to intelligence. That might be yeah. a good move that makes sense. 
guys, this is a top. But one. that's a that's a hot I, that's a hot take right there. <laughs> I would switch up just about everyone's spellcasting modifier. I don't know if I agree with most of them. Interesting. That's, um, a, that's a hot other take. Than, <laughs> other than the wizard, obviously. Druid makes sense. Cleric makes sense. Warlock? Charisma? Okay. Sorcerer? Definitely not. Sorcerer should be constitution. Whew. It is their nature that is the spell. Right? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have a... That could another. be a longer... Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other episode. But, like, no way. Is that <laughs> charisma? You know what I mean? Yeah, I could definitely see that. Anywho. <laughs> but rangers should be intelligence, I think. Yeah. Based on this. I, right? I dig that. I th- It's a hot take, but I think... Yeah. I definitely got to think about it more. And I, I would I I would suggest having that conversation at the table. Like if you want a true ranger, I would ask what kind of ranger? Yes. Do you want an Aragorn ranger? Because everybody wants to be Aragorn as a, a human yeah. or half elf yeah. uh, ranger, right? I want a long sword and a bow and it's I like, want to speak elvish. <laughs> like, okay. You're a fighter. 90% of our first characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I, if you aren't want to be a national park ranger, you're intelligent. Yeah, right? or like, like bear grills. Yeah, no question. Bear grills as a D and D character, intelligence. You think it would be intelligence, which is an interesting conversation. Going back to the character that my buddy wanted to make, who was the samurai base, I was like, look, we could just build you a fighter, and instead of dex, you use intelligence for your modifier. Yeah, and we could just swap that out. Sure. And like game mechanically, it's. It really doesn't make that much of a difference. Right. You have some weird effects with abilities later, but you can kind of, as a DM, you can fudge those to make it work and make sense still. And like, he's still not going to have a low dexterity. He's not like he's making it his dump stat because he's using intelligence instead. But it was a, it was definitely a discussion we had that I was like, we could just swap out your attack modifier and use ability, use intelligence as your ability instead of dex. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. But you could do the same thing with the ranger and just say, well, like, yeah, but we're going to use intelligence instead for right. casting. Because yeah. mathematically, it's all the same. It really doesn't make a difference. Right. If you roll a 15, whatever you add to it, you're going to add to it. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, yeah, no question. I like that a lot. Um, wow. Well, man, shall we play? Um, I have a shorter uh encounter for you um but you have for us a um a build for an artificer yes right? uh for the folks at home artificer is not an original D 5e class uh it was eberron right that introduced uh, the artificer so, yeah. class um awesome awesome build um they used wizard spells Yes. Um, similar to a bard. A bard uses wizard spells. Um, but they can make themselves um, suits of armor, like mechanized armor. They can make yeah. themselves guns. It's a very steampunk vibe. For sure. It was, Which is what Eberron is. Which is, is what right? Eberron is. Yeah, exactly. They took steampunk, made it a class. Yep. And came out the And we love it. We love it. That's great. Um, like the ultimate is, you know, shout out Justin Lewis. Um, he played in our one shot at Warforged Artificer, 
which does so not plastic. get any more steampunk than that. Uh, but you love to see it, right? Like that's exactly what you want to see is you want a machine that builds other machines that kills things. Yeah. Um, and that's what D&D is all about and worshiping <laughs> the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. importantly, shout out Christian. Um, <laughs> shout out devil. Um, <laughs> For making all of this happen. Um, so you are an artificer, right? Yeah. Um, give us the lowdown on your on your, your boy. Yeah. So uh, his background is he's an archaeologist. Okay. Named Archie. Okay. He takes up the artificer vibe pretty quickly. Um, he kind of has like a Western cowboy-esque theme. He's got a magic rifle that he uses. He gets... Beautiful. Um, some pretty insane range with his rifle. And then I've kind of flavored him where all of his, his spells and everything are all based in his guns or other like mechanical weapons rather than using a wand or a focus sure. in another way. Right. Sure. So he has a blue, a bullet with a, a blue tip and that's, you know, cone of cold. Yeah. Love that type deal. So yeah. that's kind of the main vibe. I gotcha. Uh, so Indiana Jones meets, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the vibe. That, I have a mini. Yeah. I didn't bring yeah. it, but he's got like a bowler hat and yeah. a monocle. Man, you love to see it. Yeah, it's great. It's um, great. dang, Archie sounds dope. Well, Archie, uh, for this particular encounter, um, is going to be in a little different setting than maybe he's normally used to. Um, there has been um some issues where. Uh, I guess for the, the background of Archie, is there somebody in Archie's life that um, is still around? Like family, friends, maybe a party member? Let's see. Who to use? Yeah. Um, his last adventure he went on to earn some quick cash he worked with a uh oh wow i'm totally spacing the race it's like a mouse but humanoid okay anyway like a heron gone yeah it's tight but like more mousy yeah yeah sure. um called uh senor guapo nice and they became pretty tight friends okay. they worked together they saved senor guapo's sister and yeah, that was it was a good time together. Love that. You love that. Um making friends with imaginary people. <laughs> with real friends. D and D. I just came up with a new slogan. Uh Wizards of the Coast, you can call off the Pinkerton police because I just made you another billion dollars with that slogan. <laughs> um forgive me. Um Senior Guapo has come down ill. Um, and you give me a, give me a medicine check. All right. Ooh, this dice, this dice cursed. For sure. I gave him an intentionally cursed dice. <laughs> That's a nine. A nine. Wonderful. Yeah. He's not looking good, man. Um, veining coming up through his neck. Um, you know, the classic something necrotic is happening. Um, and, uh, the, the veins are turning varicose very quickly. Um, his, uh, little mousy fur is starting to fall out like, um, almost like some alopecia effects 
are happening is at the same time. Um, and he is completely comatose. Just non-responsive. Non-responsive. Um, but alive. Yes. Okay. Um, even with a nine, you can tell he's got a pulse, weak pulse, um, very slow. Um, give me an arcana check. Ooh, yeah, see, that's what I can do. Uh, that's a 17. 17, not bad. Um, that's a strong modifier on that, pal. That was a low roll. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so you would know that this is an effect of something beyond like a traditional poisoning, um, that there is something latent from within happening. Um, and as you're like kind of deducing this, um, he starts to convulse in his comatose state. Uh, give me one more medicine check this time with advantage because of your previous role. Okay. Ooh, that's a 20. Dirty 20. Dirty 20. Um, you know, he has minutes. Ooh. Um, and he is going quickly. Um, now this is all happening. Um, and we'll say that like, this is completely not, you know, uh, your character at all, but it is now, um, <laughs> there, there are some hirelings, um, you know, some little kobold assistants that are able to help procure you some alchemical supplies in order to try and create an antidote okay. for this person. Um, that, that dirty 20, uh, medicine check would, you know, dictate that this is, well, it isn't like a, a natural poison. It is a poison nonetheless. And because it is a poison, it can be cured. Okay. Um, so I need you to tell us how you would start testing for antidotes. What would that process be like? Um, given, I don't have a, Huge medical background, but I think he would probably take some blood samples and then start mixing up known antidotes and then start mixing in magic. Just yeah. start to see what he can come up with. Okay. Give me a history check. Okay. That's a 15. 15. Um, in an archaeological dig, you've seen something similar. Um, this is a true necrosis. Um, there is some dark necrotic magic at work here. Um, give me an investigation check. Investigation 19. Yeah. Um, under like the lapel, um, there is an injection site where, uh, the, the poison you would deduce, was, was administered. administered. Can I tell what kind of what's the administration like method was? Is this like a needle, blow dart, bite? Um, it's a singular puncture, okay. so you could rule out most snake bites. Yeah. Um, and this would need to have been something um, smaller. So a needle is probable, as is a dart um, or a small bolt. Um, from that, you probably wouldn't be able to, mm, yeah, I don't know if you'd be able to tell Deduce, specifically, like what it, specifically yeah. what did it. Okay. And you said he was coming down 
like out of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Just like wandered into my dig site, kind of. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. What what spells do you have um, that you could be flavoring or yeah, you know repurposing here. for? Because there's not like a true you know. Uh, well, I guess there is one spell that comes to mind to identify things that or detect <laughs> detect yeah poison yeah. I don't think I have detect poison, but. You said it was magical, like magical. There's like just similar to, you know, like you have a poison and like the poison has been amplified. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. I don't think I have anything that does that. Going nothing off of prepared at least the, um, like the history check, because that was a baller history check. Um, well, I guess it wasn't that baller. It was only 15, right? Yeah. It was a good history check. I'm taking back the baller status on that. <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was good. Um, you would you would identify like that this was from an indigenous tribe of sorts um, practicing some necrotic or necromantic. Um, practices. Right. Um, the kobolds at your disposal, um, we'll say that there's four. Well, let's see. How many we got? You have one. <laughs> you have one kobold. He's got quick hands. Um, he's, he's pretty quick. Um, he is a, a scraggly little fellow, about three and a half feet tall, uh, sallow, not as you know, kobolds are, are relatively skinny, but he's especially skinny for a kobold. Um, wearing a, a little leather lab coat, like he has <laughs> done stuff like this before. Right. Um, that you could probably, you know, have him be making some Check. checks as well. Okay, yeah, I think I'll take some of the samples and just show him kind of what I'm finding. Yeah. And see if he's familiar with this, if he knows anything, kind of point out the wound. Just make sure he's aware of everything I've seen. Definitely. Do you speak Draconic? Uh, oof, I doubt it, but possibly because... No. Um, wonderful. So give me a persuasion <laughs> check with disadvantage <laughs> to see if you can get your I'm orders. I'm trying to see across. if I have a... Do you yeah. have like tongues or? Yeah, so I was still going to see if I had something like that. Uh, da -da 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 -da. What was I rolling again? Uh, pers uh, persuasion. Persuasion. With disadvantage? Oh, yeah. So that was a 13. Oh, All right, yeah, 13. Not bad. Um, let's see if he understands. He understands. Um, you see that there's, there's like pointing yeah, like, some some hey, very serious bad blood, like good blood. What's wrong? Focus. Um, <laughs> and he tries to communicate back, and it's just like a you know, like draconic in a super high pitched voice as well. Um, 
the uh <laughs> um let's see how his um so this kobold underling specifically um has proficiency in um poisoner's tools uh poisoner's kit and will flavor that for the reverse thereof okay um, being like a, an herbalism right people right. Uh, recognize Ooh, actually not bad Ooh, i don't know how long this takes hold on let me look and see real quick uh did he roll good first of all not bad i'm gonna add my intelligence modifier using flash of genius oh so he gets plus five to that. Roll. That's a 22. All right, we'll take it. Um, so you see that uh, this kobold, uh, whose name you cannot understand, um, <laughs> produces three beakers of three different uh, viscosities, colors, um, and, and seemingly purposes. Um, with hand gestures alone, because verbal communication is not happening, um, the he does a thumbs up, neutral, and a thumbs down over the three different, um, and then color. they all yeah. turn the same color over like the vials. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the one he does the thumbs up to, <laughs> I'm gonna like take that, whatever I did to that one basically fill up a syringe and then like go to inject it, but just go slow looking at him just like watching to see if he stops me. The natural to his insight is not super great. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, um, <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Because he's like his intelligence is a minus one. Um, he's he's gone, right? Just like like the, out. the flash of genius, truly a overwhelming, overwhelming, <laughs> right? Like he is not sure how that was concocted and does not remember. It could have been any of those three, but that flash of genius has sapped. Right. But I voice. knew which one he gave the thumbs up to. Right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna do that one. I'm just give me an insight check. Okay. Uh, roll deception just for fun. <laughs> insight ten. Ten. Um, you're not convinced he did it right. I'm gonna hurry. I'm gonna. You're not convinced. He's convinced. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I think I'd use my flash of genius again to add five to that. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I only have I have three more of those. So what was that? Fourteen then? Fifteen. Fifteen. Um. You know for certain the one in your syringe is not the right one. Okay. I'm going to make sure I haven't injected him yet. Yep. And then, 
The other two look exactly the same mm-hmm. now, right? Yep. Hmm. Give me... We'll call it a history check. DC 20. I can do it. Oh, 27. (laughs) Rat bastard. Um, For sure. So one of the two left, you recall um, matching the same coloration as the varicose veins coming up on Senor Guapo. Okay. And the other one, not so much. The other one, not so much. Okay. So one matches the coloring. The other one doesn't distinctly does not match yeah, the yeah, coloring. Okay. You need to decide whether that match is good or bad. We're going to go with good. Okay. Yeah, we're going to try it. We'll see. Doing that one. Um, Roll a d6 for me. You do not want a one or a two. Five. Very well. Um, Fortunately, Senor Guapo comes to your flashes of genius, truly saving his life. Um, the necrosis ekes out of his body, um, from his eyes, nose, and mouth in this black inkiness, which honestly terrifies you out the gate because you inject him with this black poison looking substance and hold my breath. Then it just starts pouring out of his eyes and nose and mouth, uh, matting his fur, what's left of it on his face from it falling out. Um, and then you see the veins start to follow into his face and disappear right which right. is a good thing pulling you know, the poison exactly out right. right excreting the poison from out of his system um and he comes to i'm definitely going to collect some of this stuff and some more vials Smart. save some samples for later Smart. um i like that well folks <laughs> this has been the dungeon mastermind podcast a lot of interesting little tidbits um, I think the intelligence modifier is underrated. Everyone should have, no matter what your class, some semblance of intelligence, unless you really want to have a good time with it, make your intelligence as low as you want. Um, but you can not- always convince the DM to use a different stat. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and at the end of the day, if you can convince your DM, you can convince any to do anything um, because we are out to destroy you and make your life hell um, for fun for fun and in the name of the devil um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on man Massively my pleasure appreciate it my pleasure it give fun. wild all my love um, and have him come over soon um, Thatcher talks about your dog all the time does he really just Really wants to play with her again, even though he refused to touch the whole her a time, single time. Wouldn't touch her. Um, that's how my son works. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. 
for tuning in. It was a pleasure. pleasure I loved it. Um, how do we support you, man? How do we like? You're on no social medias. Nope. You never text back. Um, horrible texting. Yeah. So what do we? It's do? amazing. I have a, a game of D and D that continues <laughs> truly, to go. Truly, it is. It must be driven by players because I. Uh, yeah, there's just no way. Also, you hold a couple of them hostage by working with you. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of them. Actually. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's how yeah, you got to work with true. it in order to uh, get to know. So, <laughs> uh, get a job. <laughs> Where can people apply? Yeah. Great. Send emails. Okay. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Send your applications. We'll put his email in the show notes. <laughs> Send a detailed resume on, uh, you know, garage doors and what you know about them. Yep. Perfect. I actually am. I might start DMing at a, Game Grid, right? Yeah. That you mentioned? Yeah. yeah. Game Grid, Lehigh, Utah. Um, shout out Game Grid. Great yeah, game store. They're awesome. Um, they're so good. And uh, if you're DMing, I'll be there. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Sick. Guys, go home. Tell your friends and family that you love them. Probably get off social media unless it's to follow me, in which case do that and be very actively following me. Um, but otherwise, don't follow anyone else. It's all smut and garbage out there um, and will lead you to hell. Um, so go out there, cancel all your social media. Make sure that you cancel all of your free trials that you're on um use this as your alert to go and cancel those so you don't get charged um and have a good week go out there and play some D. &D. adios